Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favourite podcast, Insane in the Fembrane. Hello everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, the weather's heating up, ah, oh, I love it, I love springtime, gets hotter doesn't it, I love it, we're walking around in our shirts, smashing stuff, I love it. Ah, listen, before we get into it, I have to remember to do the admin first, I always get carried away, get chuntering on. Um, so, firstly, over on Insane in the Membrane this week, it's a simulcast. I appeared on the Mishka Shubalai podcast, uh, my great friend out there in, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, so that's what's coming out this week. That's going to be on a. Uh, um, that's going to be on our uh, Insane and Membrane channel. So uh, yeah, so that's what's happening over there this week. Uh, also, become a Patreon for early access to behind-the-scenes video recordings. Um, so go to patreoncom forward slash membrane podcast or via our link tree, which is in this podcast and all of our podcasts, and all over my uh, social media. So if you go to uh, Instagram. I am Rich Wilson on Instagram. In the, there's going to be a link in the bio there, link tree on Twitter, which is I am Rich Wilson again. I'm on Facebook. All of the across the board, there's a link to the link tree, and if you click on that, that will take you to all of all that you need to do. So Patreon, it takes you to gigs uh, where I'm going to be. Um, it's going to be. It's, it's all there. Producer Paul smashed it out of the park. It's all there. One link. Click on that, and it's all there for you. Um, but yeah, become a Patreon. And then you can become part of a very beautiful bunch of people, uh, like Magza Doodle. She signed up. Thank you, Mags. Uh, Neil Reese. Hello, mate. Thank you very much. And the mighty David Harris for your continued support. You're a beautiful, beautiful man. He's loving these extras, and you will as well. So join up. Go to our patreon.com forward slash podcast, uh, Membrane Podcast page, and join in. Come and join in. And also, you can also send messages to us to say, look, I want to hear this. Oh, I want to do that. And can you and can you do this? Can you do that? You become almost like a producer. So do that for us. That'd be fantastic. Also, check out stylish, insane in the membrane t-shirts from buythatmerch.co.uk. Um, also, the uh, uh, that, that oh, I don't need to tell you, but uh, for new listeners, uh, they're the guys from uh, Save Our Souls Clothing doing our merch for us. Now they've got buy that merch, buy that merch.co.uk. Um, good lads doing good things. It's vegan friendly, ethically sourced. It's wonderful. You're going to really enjoy that. Um, also, go to uh, Wogan Coffee uh, for our insane in the membrane exclusive coffee beans. Uh, they're based in Bristol. 
If you use the exclusive Membrane listener promo code MEMBRANE, that's one word, for 10% off of our podcast packs. Um, so, yeah, again, click the link uh, in the links for Linktree. Click the links in the links for Linktree. Uh, and that takes you to everything you need. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's all there for you. One click and you're there. Woo! We got there. That's the admin done. Everyone all right? You good? Well, I hope so. I hope so. Honestly, the episode with Mishka that I did, is I, I mean, people that have already listened, Mishka's been on, uh, on, on Insane and Memorandum himself. Um, I first became uh, aware of Mishka through Doug Stanhope and his work with him. Um, and then uh, I've been I've been reading recently Mark Lanigan's book, um, Sing Backwards and Weep. And uh, Mishka... Um, was the uh, edit the editor of that because he was really good friends with Mark Lanigan uh, of Screaming Trees, Queen of Stone Age, uh, who sadly passed away recently. So um, it was good to hook up with him again. So it's a really nice chat with him. We had we really got we really got stuck in. It's nice. It was nice to to, to have a chat. He's a good lad. Um, and I hope you're all right. It's a funny old time. It is a funny old time. But um, and I've learned this as well. Like last couple of weeks, people have been you know. I've been saying to people, I've been struggling, I have been struggling a little bit, struggling to reach out and talk to people, because you just build it up in your head, didn't you, like, phone calls that need to be made and all that sort of thing, and then and then I did, I saw, saw my good friend John Gamer, hello John, um, and we had a good chat the other day, that was lovely, um, so things are starting to level out again, because I'm facing up to the things, instead of burying my head in the sand, I'm getting stuck in and doing the things, and the things I thought were monsters are actually not, they're no more than puppies. So, you know, I've got to sort of that. But that works. So I advise you to do that as well. Um, so this week's guest is uh, Lizzie Pollard. Now, Lizzie Pollard is, uh, she works at uh, ACAST. She's, she's behind the scenes at ACAST. Um, and she's a wonderful woman. And I, I got talked to her a little while ago because we've got mutual friends in, Vic Slayton and Dave Cribb. And uh, I was like, yeah, let's get on, set, get on, have a chat. And what a chat we had. Honestly, we covered so many things. It really takes a turn, which you'll hear in the in the episode. I won't give you any spoilers, but it really goes from one thing to another pretty drastically and then comes out the other side in another place we never expected to go to. Um, you're really going to enjoy this one. Liz is fantastic. She's, she's an inspirational woman. Um, so, again, chuntering on, you might as well listen to it. So, coming up in a minute is Lizzie Pollock. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A podcast from producer Paul Dakota.uk. Hi, how are you Yay. doing? Yeah, I'm good. Good to see you. You too. Um, I love having producer Paul because he, he's such a nerd for all this. He loves all the I tech know. and everything. It's brilliant. I feel embarrassed like I should actually know more about when he was like, your mic's back to front. I was like, yeah, knew that. That was deliberate. <laughs> that I was did it test. all the time. <laughs> I just go, oh, that looks nice that way. And he's like, no, can't, <laughs> can't hear you. Ah, good. You're looking well. You all right? Yeah, good. I'm good. Um, Easter is my favourite time of the year. So this is yeah. like Christmas Eve for me. Beautiful. Yeah, really? You really like it? I love it. There's no pressure to Easter. Not like Christmas or, Yeah, that's you know. true, actually. Yeah. I think the eggs are getting more adventurous as well. I saw some really <laughs> wicked ones in M&S the other day. <laughs> God, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> you changed. I really have. I really have. It used to be, yeah, let's get out, get smashed. And it's like, I saw these wonderful eggs. They've got fruit in there. Lovely. <laughs> I saw some crunchy eggs last night. I've not seen them before. I said to my partner, Adam, I was like, if you see them in a shop, you've got to buy them for me. Oh, nice. Actual crunchy. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm. Oh, it's so bad. When you eat it, you can feel your teeth rotting, but you're like, yeah, this is the one, though. This get is that a, Friday this- feeling. <laughs> Uh, there's no big introduction. We just do this. This is what we do. We just chat. Totally and, uh, fine. And there you go. Um, good. Uh, so it's lovely to have you on. We were going to do this ages ago, and I just my lack of admin skills. Just, I just, you know, you just get. I don't know. Time just seems to be rattling away. You, you just kind of go. Oh, I must. I must do that. I must do that. And all of a sudden, it's like two months have passed. Oh, don't worry. I'm always happy to talk. I've been so looking forward to it as well. Yeah. I just. I just, um, you know, because I've listened to the show and I've listened to, you know, a few of my friends on it and I was like, oh, I can't wait to get into it with Rich. <laughs> I love it. I love this, getting to know people. and Because, um, you know, obviously I know you through Acast, and, but I just wanted, I always, well, I'm always fascinated by the people behind these things. You know, like when I spoke to uh, 76, who produces a lot of stuff for Scroobius Pip and that. Mm. I'm, just, I'm just interested in the... Like, because I think sometimes the people behind the things get forgotten about. Do you know what I mean? It's all about who's up front and who's this and that. But there's a lot of work goes into the stuff behind the scenes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, there is. Yeah. There is. Yeah. I mean, even just talking about producer Paul there, like yeah. you know, the amount of effort that goes in, even just to get a conversation like this happening. And that's before you've got into starting a podcast, growing a podcast, making money from a podcast and everything else. Um, but I'm obsessed with podcasting. I don't know about you. Yeah. Um, but... And the other thing that I found is working in podcasting, just everyone in podcasting is so lovely. I've met the yes. nicest people. I mean, every, everyone likes to talk about, you know, podcasting so community driven and they use the word community a lot. And I, I think to people on the outside, they could be like, yeah, right. That's probably just marketing speak. But when I started working in podcasting four and a bit years ago, I was just shocked by how lovely and supportive and kind everyone is to each other yeah. you don't get that i feel like you don't get that sense of competition that you probably get in other industries um because people love the medium and people want to help each other out so um absolutely yeah yeah 
It's true. It's, it, it, everyone's so encouraging. Like I've said last week, uh, our, our get or the other week, our guest was Stu Whiffin, who's oh. hardcore listings. I love Stu, and yeah. and this podcast wouldn't wouldn't exist without him and Chris. And, oh yeah, and uh, and you know, the, and everyone that involved with their podcast, and yeah, you're right. Every time you speak to someone, people are always going. There's a lot of people taking the piss online, and they're all like, "Oh, yeah, that's what we need another podcast." Because mm. and you're like, you just well, why are you just going to do one then? They're just they're so they're easy to do. Everyone, there's so many people doing it, and will help you, like you've just said. Mm. Go and I do get it. I get really uh, the things that wind me up are oh don't need another podcast do we and as you say everyone's interests are so different and so specific yeah. so and 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 um, I, I also truly believe that most people in the world have something interesting to say yeah. like whether you agree with it or whether you like it then that's fine if it's not for you it's not for you but um, people are just fascinating and uh but this is why the the question that always makes me laugh people say oh what do you do and i say i work in podcasts and if they know what podcasts are they always say um oh could you recommend me some to listen to and i'm like well i could but my taste is so unique you're probably not going to enjoy the specific vein of you know football comedy podcasts that i like and that's a beautiful thing about podcasting um and the other thing that really winds me up is people that moan about ads in podcasting. Oh, yeah. Um, because, you know, for the majority, podcasts are free because yeah. they have this beautiful ad-funded model. So um, that's why it doesn't cost you anything to go to Apple Podcasts and hit play on this podcast, for example. So then when I see people moaning about them, like listeners, I'm like, guys, come on. Do you know how this works? Yeah, I know. Um, I know. It's the same with YouTube. People moan about that. And it is a bit frustrating because it's the adverts cut in it like inopportune moments but at the same time they, that they do give you the option to pay for it and nobody mm. does so you go like well you're gonna have to kind of put up with that you know it's just and it's not a, it's not a it's not like it's hours out of your day it's just a brief yeah. moment a brief moment it's like with, like you say with the adverts on podcasts it's just a brief moment and then you'll get to it and this this is going to sound like i'm really corporate and on message but i genuinely mean this some of the podcasts i listen to i love their ads like if you think about adam buxton you know, we get so. I, so for those for listeners that don't um, know, so I work for Acast, who host and help podcasts make money, and we look after the advertising basically. And you know, we get listeners who tweet us or email us saying, "Oh, I heard this brilliant song on Adam's podcast, but I can't find it again now, and I really want to hear it again." And we're like, "Well, one, that was an advert, and two, of course you can't hear it because they're all dynamically inserted. So what you hear one week, you probably won't hear the next week, and so on and so forth." Um, but yeah, I think yeah. But it is fine. It is what it is. People love to complain about things online, don't they? We all know that. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. Well, that, that, the beautiful thing about podcasting is that it's still, you can still say what you like. It's very much like the pirate radio stuff what, that I used to listen to when I was a kid, listening to Radio Caroline and Radio Laser, and they were just, they weren't sticking to, the, to everything else. They were just playing whatever they wanted. They were saying whatever they wanted. It's very much... Mm. open ground at the minute and I like that and I hope it never changes and I find yeah. it really funny because um, that is a beautiful thing about it and you will have you will hear conversations on podcasts that would never make it past like a written interview or a TV interview or something because they're so much more controlled yeah. and then sometimes some of our podcasters say to me they're like 
you'll never believe it. I told a story about, I don't know, fly fishing and I ended up catching a shoe and it ended up in the Daily Mail. <laughs> and like, and I'm like, yeah, because podcasts drive the news agenda now. Like it yeah. used to be three years ago, it was like so-and-so posted on Instagram this or so-and-so tweeted that now. And if you look at it now, nine times out of 10, that sort of more sort of celebrity gossip is like so-and-so said on a podcast. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, I Man, that. I could talk about I could talk about podcasts all day. I mean, I do talk about podcasts all day. It's literally my job. <laughs> we know it's funny what you say about the, the you don't realise because I had Jenny Ryan on from the Chase, mm, yeah, and I'm mates with Jenny, and so we were just chatting away. We were just chatting away, and she made some. We just chatting away, and then after the after the episode went out, there was yeah, got this email from the papers, and they were just going, "We want to use your, we want to use a quote from your podcast. Uh, do you give us permission?" And I spoke to Jenny and I went, look, I've just had this. What? And we were racking our brains like, we didn't say anything that was kind of controversial. We didn't say anything that was going to cause a fuss. We were like, and then we made, she was saying, oh, maybe it's because she talked about her love life and the papers are obsessed with mm. the chasers and their love lives. And so we were like, mm. oh, maybe it's that. But then when it, it, they went with it anyway. And then when it came out, it was something, she'd made some throwaway comment about Davina McCall. And they they try to turn it into the pair of them had beef, and you know, like, uh, you know what? It was just a comment about something yeah. Davina had said about something, and Jenny was was sort of talking about it. It's crazy that podcasting is now where they go. They like you say, or it's the tweets as well. Like I saw a thing the other day; someone had passed away. Everything was from Twitter. The comments were all from mm. Twitter. You know, it's, yeah, it's funny. But I, I hope it. I do hope it never changes, though, because no. you know what. More, what makes podcasting great is that freedom and um, the fact that yeah, people can feel open and honest and can have conversations and that people want to listen to. And the minute it starts getting too sanitized, or people say, "Oh, oh I, I can't talk about that. I won't talk about that," then game's gone, as my yeah. partner would say. Game's gone, mate. <laughs> do you find do uh, are Acast under pressure all the time for people trying to change it, trying to own it? trying to make it more I don't know every time they the, the corporate side of things tries to get involved it's always about try, they, they want to make money from it so they try and I don't know privatise yeah. it if you will well no so I mean again it sounds like I'm very on message but I mean all this the the good thing about ACAST is you know we don't really get involved in the content at all it's up to no. you to make the content you make the podcast you want to make and then we'll help you grow it and make the money from it so we're never going to say oh Rich you know you shouldn't have had that Lizzie Pollock on as a guest because your listening figures are going to tank and <laughs> um, so not at all so it's it's not really so it's not really a concern of ours as ACAST um, I can't speak for other maybe competitors or, or platforms who are much more in the business of making content. Um, I also think it's an opportunity though, because, you know, we're constantly spotting trends or like gaps in the market. So everyone says, oh, podcasting's oversaturated. Too many people are making podcasts. But actually sometimes we're like, we need more, you know, a few years ago, it was like, we need more health and fitness or mm. uh, women's health and fitness podcasts um, because advertisers are crying out for them. So um, I think there's definitely some good opportunities to be able to, you know, find some of the niches and, and the sort of formula that works really well as well. But yeah. more often than not, the, the most successful podcast, there is absolutely no rhyme or reason. There's no formula. If you look at the top 10 on Apple Podcasts right now, it's probably, I think, if I remember correctly, Crouchy, number one. 
Yeah. Talking, talking, I was going to say nonsense, that sounds derogatory, but you know, talking fun stuff about football. I think that um, Zara over CEO is number two, business. Then you've got your Shag Married Annoyed, which is, you know, two, a couple arguing more than that obviously you've got your off menu guys yep. randomly talking about favorite. like there is no uniformity or rhyme or reason at all no not it's, at all um and that's again that's that's what makes it beautiful yeah what as got one you... direction once said <laughs> nah what got you into it what got you st- what made you oh did you just go oh it's just oh, it's a job i'm kind of interested in no that. the opposite rich the opposite so <clears throat> i was an obsessive radio person when I was a kid and a teenager. Right. So I grew up um, and I was very much of the era of um, Mark and Lard, Comedy Dave and Chris Moyles. Oh, amazing. um, Joe Wiley and Steve Lamack of the evening. Um, So I'm not kidding when I say in my teenage years, there wasn't a Radio 1 show that I didn't appear on in some form. Oh, really? So I used to constantly phone in. So in the olden days, kids listening, we didn't have mobile phones. There was no texting. I used to sit by my parents' landline and I used to incessantly dial the Radio 1 number until someone picked up and then to get on whatever show it was, whether that was like a competition or, um, you know, like a call-in or whatever. I was absolutely obsessed with radio. Um, And um, so then what happened was... Uh, went to uni. I used to, I wasn't involved in the student radio, but a lot of my friends were. And I went to the University of Nottingham, which is famed for having a really good radio station. Okay. And um, one of my best friends at the time, Christian Nash, who's uh, also worked on Capital and things, he used to have a Thursday night show. And um, I knew that not many people listened because no one was really listening to student radio. So what I used to do to make him feel good is I would text him from about 10 different numbers, text into the show with different names saying, <laughs> loving the show, Christian, or play us some uh, what was it back then play us some top loader christian um <laughs> so anyway i was obsessed with radio um and then i ended up working in i used to work in advertising and marketing and then it got to the point where i was like okay now's the time to go and do something focus on something i really am obsessed with and i literally one day wrote a list of my obsessions which was basically podcasts running football i contacted every company within those sort of areas and long story short two months later i was working at acast Amazing. and and what I'd found was that I I was following many of my like heroes at the time who were moving into podcasting, um, and I I have actually ended up now working along some of those people that I used to idolise, and, and I have to pinch myself every day. I'm like, how how has this happened? You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it was because I think there is that element of podcasting is so hot now that naturally there are people that will go oh, podcasting's hot. I want a piece of that. I'm going to go and work in podcasting. And then there are people who are just genuinely love the medium, yeah. genuine fans. And it's just, um, what can I say? It's an absolute dream. I'm not going to well, lie to you. It, it really is. I've, I, it's one of the best things I've ever done that I kind of, like I say, fell into. It was just talking to Stu and Chris and then um, and then Brad Acton, who actually used to, was working with them and he, he got in touch. And so you now, now you're doing it and it, it's amazing. And there are, uh, up to recently, I was having a bit of a wobble recently. I was a bit like, oh, does anyone care? Is anyone listening to this? Anyone give a shit? But luckily, producer Paul knows about all the numbers. And he's like, Richie, look at this. And I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, sorry, mate. <laughs> and all the messages you get from people, like you say, you're building up a community, people that love it. And it's yeah. be- it's a beautiful thing. Like if you, I'm a comedian by trade. And if you, if you look at, if you had, if you had the same amount of people that listen to your podcast every week coming to one of your shows, you'd be, you'd be elated. And it, yeah, it's a real, it's a beautiful thing. 
And and you're so right. So I have about two and a half lapsed podcasts. Okay, I call myself a lapsed podcaster because I've just I just don't have the time at the minute. But um, so I used to do one about Strictly Come Dancing with my sister. Yeah. Because we love Strictly Come Dancing. And my sister lives in Melbourne, and I found it was a really nice way for us to keep in touch every week, have yeah. this set times talk, just to talk rubbish about you know Anton's dance last night or whatever and um one day someone um said to, someone at work said to me why do you carry on making your podcast when you know only like a handful of people for example are listening and I was like well first of all I'm deriving so much enjoyment just from like doing it um and I was also like if one person listens that week and it like has a laugh or gets something out of it then that's all I care about. That's like, true, yeah. I don't care if it's like one million people or if it's one person. Like, why, you know, why would I stop doing something I love? Um, you know, because I have the luxury of doing yeah. it as a hobby. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I used to have, like, do, you, do you know John Harris uh, at Acast? No, I don't um, know. So John's, John calls himself the nephew of podcasting. He works closely with Pip as well on um, lots oh, of distraction nice. pieces stuff. And um, we, we constantly have this conversation because he has a podcast. And he's like, oh, why am I doing it? And I keep giving these pet talks. I'm like, John, I listen every week and I freaking love it. So you are not stopping because, <laughs> you know, you're making, you are making a difference to people's lives. So absolutely yeah. oh, I just do. to butt in with that one as well John's a big fan of this podcast I was going to say uh, I do know John support us yet yeah I do <laughs> know John yeah I do sorry I apologise it was though because I there's an actor called Johnny Harris oh and I kind of and I was like John Harris yeah 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 yeah. but I do know John yes and I think yeah. John, I think John put together some artwork when I I think I've done all of the podcasts on uh, distraction pieces and yeah. he did it. And I think he put some did some artwork, put some artwork. I'm yeah. like Thanos of the of the podcast world. Yeah. John John is um one of the best. Like there is nothing that John doesn't know about um particularly UK, particularly comedy podcasting. So I don't know if um you've seen we've done quite a lot of stuff with Comic Relief over the last few years. So yeah, yeah, recently yeah. we did this big mashup. So you get um, menus to be buried with, for example, where Brilliant. Um, Brett goes on off menu and they swap formats that was all John's idea and work and he made all that happen and uh, you know he's actually not he's not one for taking a lot of praise so he'll be so embarrassed if he listens to this so there you go John I'm giving (laughs) you the airtime you deserve we love you John (laughs) we love you John but this is it it's people like that that are like we've like again like producer Paul producer Paul loves loves what we do and his his it's his energy that keeps us going because I get, I, like I said, I, sometimes I wobble and I get a little bit, you know, because of outside things, not because of the podcast. And then he's always there to just go, mate, come on, it's gonna, we're smashing this, and he, and it, and it's that's what you need, someone that's so passionate about it as well, that that also pumps you up and keeps you going. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. You need a hype man. A hype pod yeah. man. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, it is, yeah. He smashes <laughs> it. There's moments of self-doubt. Yeah, yeah, and I get them all the time because I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> Yeah, but we all we all get like that, don't we? You know, I talk to Vix. Obviously, you're really good friends with my friend yes. Vix Layton, um, and I love Comedy Arcade, and um, she has done an amazing job on that. She, I have not yeah. seen someone work so hard on a podcast, I would say, um, than than the work she's done on Comedy Arcade. And I'm like, Vix, just keep going. It's just, yeah. it's just great. Like you've hit a great idea. You're getting great guests, and just makes me laugh every week. Oh, I love it. And it's now become, I'm like the Alan Davis to her Sandy Toxie. <laughs> and I love that. Well, it's so, it's such a nice place to be. And like, yeah, 
and I make, and I, even though I have self doubt, uh, but when it comes to other people, I'm like, nah, man, you're smashing it. You can do. Yeah. You got this. It's a strange <clears throat> one. Well, I have to say, without blowing smoke up your ass, um, I came on Comedy Arcade uh, last year. It was, and it was me, you, and Robin Ince. And yes. I'd never done. I'd never really done anything like well. Vix is constantly trying to convince me to get into stand-up comedy. Um, I think you should and do it. I, well, we'll talk about that in a sec. But anyway, right. so she, she asked me to come on the podcast. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I didn't really think about it. And then I was like, oh, okay. I'm now going on with like proper professional comedians here. And I was a bit like, what am I doing? And you and Robin were just so lovely and made me just feel so comfortable and sort of welcome. Um, oh, thank you. That's and, and how I it think, should be. No, it is how it should be. But, I, you know, I read a lot about comedy. I'm also a comedy nerd. And, you know, you hear about particularly women sometimes in comedy feeling uncomfortable or like they don't get to speak or get their point across. And I, you know, it was just it was such a lovely experience. And I think that's also testament to sort of the environment that and the the uh, the way that Vix has developed that podcast as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've been promising Vix that I'd get into stand up comedy for. Well, you might know. I, were you ever at, um, when a musical did the TV show and they had a little sort of preview of it at Backyard Comedy Club? Yes, I do remember. Yeah, yeah. So I was there and that's when I ran into Vix for the first time in years because we used to work together. And um, she said to me then, promise me that you'll you'll try comedy. Go on, promise. All you have to do is just come along and do two minutes at like a night that I'm putting on. Yeah. And I think this was about three years ago or whatever. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still not done it. Just <laughs> haven't found the time. But I was listening to some of your interviews um, and I was like, oh, man, I've just got to bite the bullet. Yeah, you just got to do it. It's the hardest bit with comedy, it's not about writing material. It's not, the hardest bit is actually doing it in the first place. Once you make that first step to do it, especially as you, you're not doing it because you, you don't necessarily want to become a comedian. You want to just do it, do it and see what happens. There's yeah. no pressure. You've literally just got to turn up and tell a story. That's it. Yeah, and as I say, I've... I've also been a comedy nerd for years, so um, this is going to sound really weird, but trust me on this. So I sleep with a copy of a book next to my bed. It's not the Bible. It's Stuart Lee's How I Escaped My Certain Fate as a Stand-Up Comedian. Brilliant book. So I was such a big Stuart Lee fan, and um, I actually got through to the final face-to-face -face round of auditions for Mastermind. Wow. And my specialist subject was the life and work of Stuart Lee. And um, they said, oh, you need four subjects because if you get through every round you have to have a different subject each time so right. my second was the life and work of frank skinner oh wow yeah 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 so, yeah. so i've been you know I've, I've gone deep on on comedy for for years and i've seen i mean i've seen Stuart live more times than i care to remember and i just love going to live comedy as well so yes yeah. yeah, maybe it's time you gotta do it i think you've got to do it and i will say I love a sentence that starts with "this might be a, this might be a bit weird." I love anything that starts like that. I'm like, "Oh, this is going to be great." I'm looking forward to whatever comes next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got plenty more where that came from. <laughs> I felt really clever after I'd read Stuart's book because <laughs> of all the footnotes. It was like a choose your own adventure going back and yeah. forth. Yeah, well, it inspired me. So um, I I don't know which came first, but um, so I went to university and I studied. Um, French and I, I had to do a lot of French literature mm. um, and I had to write a dissertation. I ended up writing a dissertation about the use of footnotes in books, in, in um, literature. And I don't know whether Stuart's book inspired me to go deep into that or it was the, that's why I enjoyed Stuart's book so much. But um, it is it, for anyone who's interested in comedy in general or particularly, you know, the, the alternative comedy scene, 
the birth of comedy, alternative comedy in the 80s and 90s, it is, it is uh, well worth a read. There we go. I'm just doing, just doing a job here. Seems to be plugging Stuart Lee's books, but... Um, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's, it's, but this is it. people listen to this and they, you know, this is what they want. They want to know... They'll, they'll pick all different things. So people that want to start in comedy, they want to know how to do it, or podcasting, or just anything, really. You know, like, so this is great. This is great content, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> great content. Yeah, great content, man. But yeah. uh, but there is, I like uh, Steve Martin's book as well, Born Standing Up. I've not read that. Oh, it's fantastic. And there's also the audio book of him reading it. And it's brilliant because he just talks about the fact that he, he died on his ass for years. Yeah. Years. And he just kept going. And it's a really fascinating book for anyone interested in comedy. Oh, maybe I'll look, yeah. maybe I'll look it up. Um, talking of audiobooks, are you into audiobooks yourself? Yes, I am actually. I'm starting. So I can't. To... I can't get my head around them. Okay, because I don't read. I read about one book a year when I go on holiday. Right. Um, because I think, I think maybe ten years ago I would have been reading. Where I'm now, I'm just scrolling my phone constantly, as we all know. As we all know. Um, yeah. But I can't get my head around listening to an audio book because I'm like, well, I may as well just listen to another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I did it was one of James Acaster's books and he reads it and I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. And, and I mean, I really enjoyed it, but I, I, I don't know. I can't get my head around them. Well, do you know what I do? If I'm, cause it, I, I, only, I won't listen to everything, but if there's someone I'm really into, I'll have the audio book and I'll have the physical copy. So I'll read it with the person reading it and I'm sort of reading it. So it, it helps me because I get wow. distracted otherwise. I'm a bit, my, I, I, I'll, I'll be like four pages in and I'm like, I haven't read it. I've been looking, I've been reading it, but none of this has gone in. Yeah. So I have to be really focused and go, right, This is, I'm going to do this for a bit now and then I'm going to do something else. But for a minute, I just want to do this. I normally do it late at night when I'm just, because I used to look at my phone before bed and it used to drive me mad because you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't sleep. But now I, I read a book and, Try and calm down, and it's good to have the person's voice in your ears as you're reading it. I might try. I might try, but I can't promise anything. No, I've no, no. A, Bob Mortimer very... is a good one. Ah, <gasps> oh, yeah. I did think the other day that might be a good one to try. That's um, one. I think that's one to go with. Okay, I do. Yeah. I'll do my homework. I promise. By the next time I speak to you, I'll have <laughs> listened to Bob Mortimer's audiobook. Um, well, I've also got. I've got Doug Stanhope's uh, "Digging Up Mother" on audiobook. Mm. That's really cool because he not only reads the book, but he also goes off on tangents and talks about there's other, like the, the, the bits behind the stories and he's got guests on uh, who are actually there when this story was taking place and he's talking to them and it goes back and forth and it's really interesting. So mm. I might send you that and just have a listen to that. Okay. That have, I don't know how you feel about dogs in the book. Well, yeah, no, no, that, that'd be interesting. Have you ever thought about writing a book yourself? Oh, all the time, all the time. I was thinking about it yesterday. I just had this idea yesterday, but it's it's from I. What I want is to have the idea, write it all down, have it finished, give it to someone. They go, "That's brilliant," and then off you go. <laughs> but it's, it's all you, the back and forth and the editing. No and notes, stuff. no notes, please. No, no. I don't. Just is it good or bad? Just it's done now. <laughs> about yourself? No. <laughs> no. Um, okay, because my, my problem is I. Um, this is going to sound, oh, again, she's starting, but this is going to sound weird, but I'm convinced, <laughs> and I'm going to say it out loud on this podcast, I'm convinced I have a hit uh, comedy show, TV show uh, within me. I've been, yes. write, I've been writing one in inverted commas for a couple of years now. 
Um, and my problem is, therefore, is I'm so convinced that that's what I'm going to do next in my life that every time another creative endeavor pops up, like, shall I start another podcast or shall I, you know, write a book or whatever? I'm like, no, no, because that's creative time. I'm not putting towards the thing that I actually want to do, but then I don't actually do that. So I end up doing none of it. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes absolute sense. Absolute sense. And I am, um, you know, like I have quite a demanding job. And so come the evenings, my brain is frazzled and all I want to do is watch, you know, uh, Friday Night Lights or whatever we're currently watching mm. and then the weekend it's like well there's too much other stuff to be doing I don't want to sit inside and like be typing and so then I think well I'll wait for holiday and then I go on holiday and you don't want to be on a computer on holiday so it just, it's just no. endless cycle so I'm like <laughs> I'm like until uh, you know until I'm you know not working which I love every day then maybe this is just going to stay in stay in stasis but pff, fine whatever but I think what you want to do and I, this is what happened with me you want to hook up with somebody that uh, has got that, or, or be, work with someone that's got that's in that world, or has got that kind of thing that can help you with it. Get the idea out of your mm. head. So I did, I did some writing courses last year, and one of the people who did the course was an old friend of mine called Ren, and I used to know her years ago. She used to be at the Comedy Cafe in East London, and she went off, and then went off to, to she went off to the the New York uh, Film Academy and studied there and has gone on now she's making making films and things like that and then we got talking and then she sent me she sent me some things she's working on and we i was so excited to read them and i'm like oh man this is amazing this is incredible this is this is that. and we had this back and forth back and forth she's in she's living in sydney so the timing we had to make out make sure the timings worked all that it was real it was brilliant and then one day she said have you got any ideas and i gave her this idea and then she came back to me, she went, right, this is what we're doing. But, and then it's now, now we're working on this film. Wow. And you're like, and that's, and I'm, it wouldn't have gone anywhere if I hadn't spoken to someone that, that is actually in that world. And she's shown me how you do it. You know, we've, we've, we haven't worked it for a while because I've been, we've both been busy, but it, she showed me how to do it. Like even when, like the beginning, you're not even writing dialogue. You're you're setting out the the universe that your characters are in. You're talking mm. about all the characters and why the characters are in each other's lives. It's a fascinating mm. process, mm. and that all came from being with someone that's in that realm. So that's what you'd need to do. And, well, I think, and you must know, you must know someone. Well, I had a near miss. Well, right. <laughs> so your friend of mine, my BFF, Dave Cribb. Ah, oh, I love Cribby. Um, Dave Cribb all yeah. day long. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so January before the pandemic, we decided we were going to write a pop punk musical okay. set in a high school. So uh, we're both obsessed with um, sort of like early noughties pop punk. So like Sum 41, um, Blink 182, all that kind of era. Yeah. So I was like, Dave, this is perfect. You can do the music um, and I'll write the book, as they say, the, you know, the script. I'm like, great, great, great. Fast forward two months, global pandemic hits, everything quietened down, quietens down, we've got nothing to do, you know. Do yep. you think we actually put our minds to writing this musical? No, of course <laughs> we didn't. So that was what, two, three years ago. And then we were gonna last year, um, he'll probably kill me for giving away the secret because he claims it's still gonna happen. We were gonna make a podcast about the Muppets Christmas Carol where we watched 90 seconds, I think, or was it three minutes of the Muppets Christmas Carol film every day and podcasted about that sort of 90 minutes, uh, sorry, 90 seconds or whatever it was. So I was like bang up for it. I started writing a plan. He's like, oh, I'm busy. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, I don't know if we can do it this year. Maybe we need to do it next year. And let's start in July 2022. So 
Dave, if you're listening, we've got about two months left before we need to start. So um, I thought I'd found my creative partner that could hold me accountable. It turns out he's uh, just as busy slash uh, uh, distracted as I am. (laughs) Dave's great. I think it's a fantastic idea. Well, which one, the musical or the, the musical? Muppets? The musical would smash. The the Muppets would smash. I only I hadn't seen the Muppets Christmas Carol up until Christmas just gone. Wow, I hadn't, I hadn't seen it. Or I might have seen it when the, when my boys were younger, but I forgot mm. about it. And it's incredible. The one is it Christmas present? The big guy, and as he's talking to him, he gets he starts getting older and yeah. smaller. And it, I was crying my eyes out. Were you there or were you there when Brett did his Muppets Christmas Carol in nine minutes at a musical? No, I didn't see it. Have you ever watched it? Have you watched the clip on YouTube? Yeah. I mean, it's quite a grainy clip because I think it was, it's just someone filming an iPhone, but it's so, because you know, Brett's obsessed with Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, God, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, so he basically performs the whole thing in, I think it's nine minutes. Um, I think Dave was on piano and um, it's just brilliant. It's and it's such a good movie. I can't believe it took you so long to watch it. I just it was I just was never I was never a big fan of the Muppets. Weirdly, I just growing up I just I used to like I didn't mind Sesame Street so much, but the, mm. I don't know the Muppets never really got me. But then, uh, but then having re- watched it recently, I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Mm. It's one of the best do things you, I've ever seen. Do you like musicals in general? You know, I never used to. I never used to. I was always a little bit. Ah, this is a bit. It was always a bit amdram and jazz hands, and I was never really into it. And uh, and it was only being with my ex Jade that because she was obsessed, and so it was on all the time. And so you can't help but end up having a newfound love for it. And now I do. I absolutely love yeah. it. And now my my new partner, she's she's she loves musical theatre, and so it's on all the time. And yeah, you can't. I love it. And again, doing oh. a musical, you know, I got to be, I got to play the fans for the opera. So, what's not to love? I love what's it. What's not to? Oh, you got to come down. So, do you know about um, overtures where Dave plays? Um, do you know about this? No. So, there's a bar in the Hippodrome Casino in Leicester Square called Overtures okay. in the basement, and it's it's a bit like if anyone knows Marie's Crisis in New York. So, you have someone playing show tunes effectively, mm. and everyone just singing along. So, it's a bit sort of like karaoke, come musical theatre, and. Um, and so so Dave and I went last October. We'd gone to see my dad perform. So my dad sings. We'd gone to see yeah, him at the Royal Albert Hall. What? And what? Hang on. What? Yeah, Just... so, what so, so he sings in choirs. So he's in the Royal Choral Society. And they do wow. these big... Yeah, they do these big concerts called Classic Spectacular, which is basically all the big classical hits. And they, um, they have like indoor fireworks and lights and lasers. Wow. Anyway, I took Dave along with me. And long story short, we managed to talk our way into a private box um, just to ourselves. Um, And so we ended up having a bit too much to drink. And um, then we met my dad after the show for a pint and my dad went home. And so we were like, hang on a minute, that Overtures bar that we've heard about is open. Um, Let's go. So we went. And it was like our our idea of heaven, you know, people singing Andrew Lloyd Webber or, um, you know, Stephen Sondheim or whatever. Anyway, fast forward a few months later and Dave texts me. He's like, uh, I've got a gig at Overtures. I'm going to be playing piano. I'm going to actually be the pianist. Um, so he does that, I think, well, most weekends now, actually. Um, and um, 
and I've started going along quite regularly because it's just so fun. There, it's oh, it's yeah. a great leveller because it doesn't matter whether you can sing or you can't sing or whether you like, you know, Angelo Weber or you like Disney or whatever. It's just it's just pure joy on a plate. So you have to come down. And, oh, um, I'd love that. I'd love that. I yeah. just yeah, it's it's just I just never thought I'd be into it as much as I am. And just what when we used to go and see a musical. The pure joy from the audience, everyone mm. joining in, the they would just they would carry you along. Like it didn't matter mm. if you were shit or if you were whatever your whatever your skill level was, they just used to just carry you along with it. It was brilliant. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I um, I was a bit of a, I was in musicals when I was a kid at right. school. Um, I played Tallulah and Bugsy Malone and oh, did a lot of um. Gilbert and Sullivan because I was I was in a uh, I'm from a very musical family so we just grew up like it was just second nature that you sang and you played an instrument and you played the piano and everything so I spent yeah. my life doing a lot of that musical stuff and then um obviously what you know you grow up and you move out and you get a job or whatever and it's not really part of your life anymore so to go back to overtures is just I absolutely I'm upset. I mean, I feel for Dave sometimes because I'm just stood there shouting like, Evita, play Evita. He's like, shut up. You've had three requests already. <laughs> you just get swept up in it, don't you? It's, just, it's such a such a fun thing. Yeah. But it sounds I like you it. had a you had a very supportive upbringing then. Yeah, yeah. I had. Um, I did indeed. I was I was very very lucky. I um, come from quite a what what one might call like a standard sort of two point five children. So you know, mum and dad, and I have a brother and a sister. Um, and had a very happy idyllic childhood, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, then and then not to get too deep. But then my mum passed away when I was only eighteen years old. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So you know, actually, sort of the family setup changes dramatically when something like that happens. And mm. actually, what you knew when you were five or ten years old now looks very different when you're sort of you know thirties, forties, and etc. So um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a weird one. It's kind of like this weird dichotomy of having such a beautiful, happy, normal childhood and then suddenly it all being sort of turned on its head in, in some ways, you know, Yeah, yeah but not yeah. in others. How did you cope with that? I mean, because it can be a tricky thing. It can either d divide a family up or bring you closer together. It's a, it's a funny one when you lose uh, someone that's a cornerstone of the family. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the family, it, di it definitely didn't divide us up at all. Um, if anything, probably brought us closer, I would say. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and I, I love spending time with my brother and my sister and my dad too, because, you know, they're the only people that really that remember her like I remember or knew her like I knew her because you know like my partner had never met her obviously and no. my friends now have never met her um I it was, it was such a weird time it's such a weird age um to lose a parent I think 18 mm. because you're sort of you're not really an adult and I was I was quite an immature teenager so I wasn't like an 18 year old who was out and about or you know like doing all different kinds of things um and so you know, I, I only realised the other day that I've now been alive longer without her than I was alive with her, which is really oh, wow. strange. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's 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 strange. I'll tell you something that's helped me massively. Do you ever listen to Griefcast with Cariad? I have done, yes. Yeah, yeah so obviously yeah, yeah. Cariad's brilliant and she has so many different people that have been affected by bereavement on. And she said something 
which helped me so much. So one thing that I often struggle with is I I think that I am a lot younger than I actually am. So I'm mm. 39 and in my head I'm probably 25 at the minute. Yeah. Um, in everything that I do in my life and at work as well, you know, I like to have a bit of a joke and sometimes I'm like, oh, should I be more professional? Should I be acting more like a 39 year old? Um, and Carrie had said something when she was talking to Felix White, you know, from the Maccabees, yeah. um, who was on her podcast. And she said, because I think her father passed away when she was quite a similar kind of age to me when I was. And she said that she always felt that she was frozen in time at that age, that age that she'd lost her father. So I sometimes think that really resonated with me. And I thought, oh, hang on a minute. Is it that I actually feel a bit frozen in time? to back when I was 18, because that's when I when yeah. I lost my mum. And then I think, well, actually, I don't mind that at all. And, and that's really helped me accept who I am, because I'm like, well, first of all, if that's, you know, to do with sort of my mum, and my mum was very like that as well. She was very, she was a teacher, but she mm. was like the teacher that you could have a laugh and a joke with and, yeah. and all that kind of thing. So it's really helped me sort of... Um, think more about I know it's it's okay to be like that because that's sort of like the legacy that's been given to you sorry we've gone very we've gone very deep there going from you know audiobooks through to (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing with a podcast it just people do feel they can open up it's a safe space Mm. and it's Mm. nice though because that's what it's because I think grief comes up quite a bit we had uh Mark Lemon on and Mark Lemon um sad his dad was murdered when he was 12 Mm. And he talks about it a lot. Like he, he that's, that's what he does now. He helps people with their grief and understanding grief. And this is what, the, and it, and it's and loads of people have messaged in after going, I really needed that because no one, no one tells you how to handle it when you lose a loved one. Because and and it's come up. Ishan Akbar as well. He mentioned it when he lost his mum. And it's like they've both said that the grief doesn't go away. You just learn how to carry it around. You like you find a. Uh, uh, somehow you find a way to carry it with you, mm. you know, and a way to kind of you, you remembering the good things, like you know, remembering the good things about your mum and 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 and, the, the, and how and the person you've become now yeah. is thanks to her. So you know, there's things like that. You're you're so right there that there is no sort of manual or guidebook on how you're supposed to deal with um, bereavement or how you're supposed to behave. And yeah. I remember vividly so. Um, I hope I'm remembering this right. I'm doing my family a massive disservice if not, but I think it was it was just after my mum died. And um, so what happens when when something like that happens is you feel famous for a bit because everyone wants to come and see you. Everyone's talking about you. If you sit, you get stopped in the street, oh, you know, because my mum was quite a big figure in the local community because she was a teacher. So everyone sort of knew who she was and therefore who I was. So they'd be like, oh, you know, oh, you don't know me, but I knew her and how are you doing? So that you go through this period where you basically, it, it sounds really weird to say it, but you sort of feel famous. And then that stops. And it's sort of that period of quiet. We're like, okay, now what? And I think there was this moment where me my dad and my sister and my brother were all just sat at home and the, no one had come around um, that day or, or something. And, and it was really quiet. And my dad was like, should we go bowling? And I was like, this was not something we did as a family. No. And I was like, hang on a minute. Are you, are you allowed to? Are you supposed to go bowling like seven days after your mum's died? Or is that not the done thing? And of course, there is no right or wrong. So we went bowling. Me and my family went for the, probably the first and last time we've ever done this in our entire lives. And it was one of the most 
useful and fun and cathartic afternoons because we just chucked some balls down a lane yeah. and for about 10 minutes forgot about what had been happening. Um, but I do remember thinking like, oh, how should I be? Should I be laughing at that joke? Is that allowed? You know, should I be putting music on right now or not? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's weird. And I, I also often think about the age that I was. I don't, I don't, this is going to sound bad and I don't mean it like it sounds. I don't remember feeling very much. So I don't, I was obviously very, very sad, but I don't, I can't really remember those feelings. I can't remember like how bad it was or how much time I spent crying. Mm. And then I sometimes think, was I just a bit young and, and just a bit sort of more immune to it? And what if it was now? Would I, how would I feel now? Would I act differently mm. now that I feel like I know much more about the world and so on and so forth? So, you know, everyone is affected differently depending on circumstances and all that kind of stuff. And um yeah, that's why I find resources like things like Cariad's Griefcast podcast is just yeah. they're just so they're just you know, when you find that commonality, you hear something, you're like, Ah, oh, I thought I was the only person that felt like that. And now yeah. I know that, you know, someone else does too. So yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's it. Like you say, you take some some kind of solace from knowing that not in a horrible way, but you're like, Oh good, it's I the way I'm feeling, other people have felt this way, and so I don't feel so weird and unusual. And and it must be hard because I someone recently, someone I know recently passed away, but we weren't. We I hadn't seen her for a while, but we, you know, every now and again she'd message me and say, "Oh, where are you gigging? I want to come and see your gigs." And now she's not here anymore, and it's really weird. On that level, it must be even more weird when it's someone that's in your life that you'd see every day, you know, that you'd, you'd be used to walking to the kitchen and they're there, or you'd come in from somewhere and they're in the lounge or they're around and about, and then suddenly they're not. And your brain can't comprehend that they're dead or they've passed on. Your brain's yeah. kind of like, well, where is that person? Where have they? It's always like, oh, they must be at the shops. And you're like, well, no, yeah. they're not at the shops. They're not here. Yeah. I, I find it less the sort of physical, like they're not here thing. But I'm astounded that now, even now, 20, whatever, just over 20 years on, I will still be doing something and something will pop into my head and I think, I must tell mum that, she'll find that hilarious. Right, and then yeah. I go, oh, no, no, no. And and that's Eve, That's like over two decades. Um, wow. I have it with Maltesers. My mum loved Maltesers. She was obsessed with Maltesers. And if I see a Maltesers bunny, which are all in the shops at the minute, yeah. my first instinct is get... I get that or tell my mum that there's new Malteser bunny. And then I'm, I'm like, no, hang on a minute, which is crazy. Um, but I also like it. I really like it because it means that I don't, you know, I don't forget her or I don't forget those little sort of quirks or those yeah. stories. And, um, you know, it feels like almost like she's still sort of around because, you know, Malteser bunnies are still around. Yeah. How funny is that? <laughs> but I think it's, I think from my own, from my own point of view, I think how I would like it is I don't want people to be, I want my loved ones, everyone, once I'm gone, I would like them to carry on, carry on with their lives and, and, and have as much fun as they can because life is, as we know, it's fleeting and it's, you could be, got, at any minute, it could be your time. And so you, as difficult as it is, and like I say earlier on, I'm talking about self-doubt and stuff. It, I do try and focus on the fact that as far as I'm aware, this is the only chance we get. And so we should try and make them both if we can. Yeah. And I would like the people around me to kind of go, oh, I loved him and I, and I miss him and think about me. But don't, don't, you know, don't think that life's over just because your dad's gone or whoever. Just, yeah. you, like you say, you think about your mum in lovely ways and always remember, I think people, what people worry about is being forgotten. 
mm. once they're gone. And you know, and I don't think mm. that's ever the case, is it? You're thinking about Malteser bunnies and things like that. Yeah. So. No, um, I, it's you're so right, and um, I think a lot about legacy um, as well. And I think you know, people people say to you one thing that people say to you when you're a kid is, "Oh, your 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 mum must be so proud of you." And then you know, after she passed away, people say, "Oh, she'd be so proud that you did this or you got that job or whatever." And you think. Um, and part of it is just a bit of a cliche and you're a bit like yeah whatever you think no do you know what damn right she would be proud and the the other thing is very specific to losing a mother and this is a gross generalization but in general mums are the ones that are like notice everything and you know pick up on everything and be the first ones to call you I mean that is that is such doing dads a disservice but my my dad's wonderful and brilliant but a mum is more likely the one to be like you know a bit more thoughtful or whatever so sometimes Mm. So sometimes, you know, like that is something that I I miss um, in a certain way. But then I think, well, yeah, she would be proud and I can still feel like she knows, you know, what's going on, even if she's not physically here. But actually talking about um, what happens when you die, I was laughing to myself. You had um, one of my favourite people on, Jeff uh, Lloyd, a while ago. Oh, I love Jeff, yeah. Uh, He he lives quite close to me. So um, we've been on a few walks in lockdown in... um, in the park and he's just one of he's just one of the nicest people you could ever hope to meet in your entire life but um on a drift the podcast that he does with annabelle port they were i'm sure it was them they were talking the other day i think about um wanting to people that want to fake their own deaths just so you can see what the funeral would be like and see (laughs) who says what and see who turns up who cries who doesn't and all this kind of thing and i thought that would make a brilliant premise either for an actual business or a film or something where you can, you know, this service where you can actually fake your own death just so you can see what people would say about you. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. I think, wouldn't it be horrible though if <laughs> it turns out you weren't as popular as you thought? <laughs> it was like, oh my God, thank God he's gone. Jesus. Um, one of my favourite things that Frank Skinner always says, and I might, I might get this wrong, he says... Um, you can spend your whole life trying to be popular, but the size of the crowd at your funeral will be largely dictated by the weather. <laughs> and, I, and I quite like that because, yeah. you know, it's quite freeing to think that, well, you know, they might not like me, but pff, might rain on my, wed- on my funeral day anyway, so it doesn't matter if only two people turned up. So Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, oh, there is a thing about having a wake while you're alive. You can... Oh. Yeah, 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 like celebrating your life before you go. I don't mm, know. I don't that know. seems, oh, I mean, no disrespect to anyone that's done that, but it does seem a little self-involved. Yeah, I know. You're, like, you, yeah, you're so up your own ass that you just can't, you can't even miss out on the party. <laughs> I mean, think how hard enough it is to get your mates together now, living in 2022, you know? It's hard enough <laughs> to try and organise a night out, let alone convince them to come to pretending you're dead yeah this might be the last party i ever have lads you've got to just turn up and uh yeah, yeah. Oh, i'm sorry mate i'm i'm doing something else <laughs> i'm going to someone else's way yeah. they asked me first and I, to be honest i prefer them so yeah 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 <laughs> oh it's, it's funny i was on the way back from a gig uh, last night with um a comedian called adele cliff and she studied biology and so we were on the way back and we were talking about life and death and how how you it must change your viewpoint once you've if you've studied biology that long you kind of you know you're you know you understand how humans work and how we came to be and so to believe in anything kind of sort of spiritual and it must be very difficult we had a really fascinating conversation mm. and i'm you, yeah i don't know if i do or not 
I was going to say, do you believe... Because I was thinking about this, because um, I always think about it when I listen to um, Brett's Films to be Buried With. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he always asks people if they believe in an afterlife and also whether they think about their own death. And I was thinking about it myself in the shower the other day. And I was thinking, I never think about my own death. Like, I'm not afraid no. of it. I don't, I don't think... It doesn't preoccupy me. Um, and I'm very much... If, if it's like you're a man of science or you're a man of faith, I'm very much a man of science. So I believe in science and I believe in the rational arguments for things. I'm not very mm. spiritual. Um, I don't believe, you know, that we all go to some sort of afterlife. Um, yeah, no. But I do think that, that it's a very good metaphor for exactly what we were just talking about. So, yes, I don't believe that my mum is now in some sort of other place waiting for me. But I do believe that she lives on in the thoughts and the memories and the Malteser bunnies of this world. So yeah. maybe the first people that started talking about afterlifes were actually using it more of, more as a metaphor, um, yeah. which I think a lot of religion is, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think you're right. But um, yeah, I'm very much a rational science. Science says so, so yeah. no. I'm the same. I'm, I do believe in energy. This is what I was talking about last night. I believe that our energy goes somewhere. And I've said this on here before. I used to work in an old people's home. I used to do the night shift. And every morning we'd go around. Like you check on, the, on them every hour. But then in the morning you'd go around and check on them again to make sure that everyone's right. So then the next, uh, the next lot coming in for the next shift, you know, they, they know what they're dealing with when they turn up. And so I remember walking into this one room. I can't remember his name now, this old guy. And I, as I opened the door, he took his last breath. And as he took his last breath, the whole room dimmed. And I don't know if it was the sun going behind a uh, cloud or what it was, but just as he, as I walked in, I looked at him and he just went, ah. and then it went all, it went, it went really dim. And it was like, I'd seen his energy just go. It was incredible. Wow. So I believe that our, yeah, our energy that we've created goes off somewhere. We, we like you say, we become part of something else. You know, because we are just atoms and molecules and things vibrating at different different ways. I, I think so. Go somewhere. It goes somewhere, doesn't it? Did you Did you say you used to work in in an old people's home? I did. Yeah, I worked in a couple of them years and years ago. Thirty years ago now. Did you when, watch uh, um, Derek Ricky Gervais's Derek? I did. I did. Did you love it? I thought it was bang on. Yeah. Yeah. I love. I absolutely loved it, and I think um, I think it got a bad. No, I don't think it got bad press, but I think the people that didn't actually watch it thought it was about one thing, but it was actually about something else. Yes, exactly. They just saw and, Ricky's character and yeah. that was it, yeah. And I just, I I think it's, it's going to sound very uh, wanky, I think it's his best work. Um, <laughs> and when, when, when people are losing their mind over Afterlife, because that got such a great reaction, such mm. a massive following, I'm like, yeah, yeah, but guys, do you know his second album, Derek? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> really yeah. Should. Um, I, but I thought Derek was just beautiful the way it represented life, death, what happens to you at the end of life, dying with dignity, um, uh, kindness, basically. Yeah. And so, you know, I, 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 I try to spread the Derek gospel to as many people as I can. <laughs> if you've not watched Derek and you want to be up, uplifted in a weird way, um, then you should watch it. Um, yeah, definitely. And there's that one scene, no spoilers, but whatever. There's that scene at the end of, I think, the second series where um, his dad, who he's reconnected with, he sends his dad away because it's too traumatic to actually... Um, and then uh, the taxi stops and the dad gets out and Coldplay's playing in the background and they're reunited. And I just sometimes just put that on for like 10 times straight, just over and over, just to have a good old cry because it's yeah. just such, such a beautiful programme. 
But yeah, it just made me think of that, thinking about, you know, old people's homes and... Uh, yeah, it's one of those things. Derek was bang on. And it and there's all like there's there's always there was a couple of nurses. If you, most nurses are like the Kerry Godleyman character, oh. and they care and they owe like they they go above and beyond. But there were so many people involved, and especially the people that own the care homes, that were just horrible, greedy people that didn't give a shit about yeah. the people that they were just there to just take their money from them. Mm. And that's why I, I had to stop working in that in that industry because I just couldn't. I could. I was always arguing with people. There was a, there was a, one particular staff nurse that, when she was on, I used to hate working with her because she. We'd turn up for the na- the night shift, we'd we'd change over. She'd push two chairs together in the lounge and she'd just put a blanket on, watch telly, and go to sleep. Mm. And I and I used to, we used to argue all the time because I'd go up. I'm not p- p- trying to paint myself as, you know, Superman, but I was there because mm. I wanted to take care of people. And me and her, because she was like, what are you doing? I said, well, we've got to check on them. There's a, there's one particular woman that would get in all kinds of distress if, if you left her for too long. So, you know, you always had to check on them. And this one woman used to just drive me mad. And no one did anything about it. So in the end, I'm like, I can't, I can't work here anymore. And that's what happens. Mm. People that give a shit actually get driven out because there's too many people that don't give a shit running the things. You know, mm. it's a real, it's a, it's really sad that that's, you've worked well hard all your life and then you end up in a place like that and all you, you're down to your bare minimum belongings, you know, and it, it just make, I'm, just makes me sad. That's why I want to go in a weird way. I want to just be walking along one day and a piano falls on me. <laughs> or just, you know what I mean? Just something happens. <laughs> a <laughs> piano get, playing, playing Phantom <laughs> of the Opera. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or just something, something will... I'll just end up, I'll walk into a big hole or aliens will take me somewhere or just, I don't know, something unusual. <laughs> just, I don't want the long drawn out thing where no one cares or you can't wipe your own backside and, oh, God. you know, I might Hunter oh. S. Thompson myself and just, just take myself off. <laughs> oh, anyway. God, this is taking a turn. <laughs> you never know where it's going to go. <laughs> nah. But on the whole, with your... This is the way things are at the minute. You know, it does feel like the world's in a bit of disarray. How do you? How's your mental health really? Are you holding up all right? Yeah, I am. I I've been incredibly lucky because um, I first of all, you know, as I said, I had a very happy and and I mean, in some ways, privileged upbringing. Mm. um, You know, and um, uh, and so I've always traditionally, traditionally or historically been been quite you know I've had quite an even keel when it comes to mental health and then with the pandemic again we were so lucky because you know um podcasting was thriving because yeah, everyone was listening to podcasts people were making podcasts it could continue everyone just pivoted to making them remotely which is now just like the standard yeah um so I had a I had a, a good enjoyable job that was really busy you know I don't have kids we live in a nice place we Adam and I my partner we we had each other so, um, I, I, it, you know, I, I feel I feel bad saying it out loud sometimes, but we were quite lucky because mm. um, I didn't have some of the problems that you know my friends had, like you know losing their jobs or being stuck homeschooling whilst trying to you know work at the same time and so on and so forth. So um, um, as a result, you know, I, I've I've been all right uh, the past few years, and my mental health is generally a good place, and I put a lot of it down to. Um, running so I've been running right. non-stop for the last 12 13 years oh, amazing. Um, 
And I never, ever started it as a pursuit thinking like, oh, this is good for one's mental health, you know. Um, I started it just because I'm competitive and I decided to see if I could run 5K because I read about um, Catelyn Moran. She wrote a piece in the Times about how she got into running. I was like, oh, let's see if I can run 5K. And once I mastered that, my natural next reaction being so competitive was like, let's see if I can run a marathon. Wow. Um, And since then I've run like 13 marathons. And so- Yeah, and I never realised that it really massively helps with, you know, sorting out your feelings or stress or whatever. Um, Because of course it does, and everyone talks about that, but I'd never seen it like that. And now I definitely think that it it has helped me so much over the last sort of decade, Um, which is why I will chew anyone's ear off about the benefits of just, even just getting outside. doesn't even have to be running, could just be walking. But um, so, yeah, I think I, I... I definitely use exercise as a, a bit of a tool, I would suppose. Oh, absolutely. Uh, do you know what? It's funny. There's a guy I, I look at on Facebook called James Harris. Mm. And he's this, and he, he's just very matter of fact in the way, you know, he's a, a PT, you know, a PT. And he, but even he says, look, you don't need to you just, just, you know, just watch you, just watch your calories. You can still eat what you want, but just watch what you're eating and just go outside. You don't even have to run. Just walk, just or take the stairs instead of the escalators and or instead of the elevator, and just mm. that's all you need to do. I was doing that in the last lockdown, I wasn't running, but I was just putting my headphones on and I was just going out and I was walking for three hours, just walking around Vicky Park yeah. and, and back again. If you just go for a walk, that's yeah. all you need to do, and you'll feel so much better. Yeah, I mean, God, this is gonna sound really sort of twee, but. Running's also given me so like so I'm obsessed with Park Run as well. So you know Park Run? No. What's that? So Park Run are um free timed weekly five Ks that happen in parks all around the world actually, but right, loads okay. in England. So my local one is in Highbury Fields. It's entirely run by volunteers. So nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, about three hundred people turn up and they run five K around the park. You get um you know, you get your official time and you can track your progress and number of runs. But more than that, it's just like this brilliant, I'm going to use the C word again, community, <laughs> um, incredible community of the volunteers and all the runners. Um, and I do it every Saturday. I volunteer as well. And I have made so many friends for life just from doing that as well, yeah. which I think in London is particularly hard. Um and it's just, it's another thing that just keeps me, keeps me going throughout the week. Just, oh, it's park run on Saturday. Can't wait. Um, yeah, right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly trying to recruit people to A, running, B, park run, and then volunteering at park run as well, because it's just, <laughs> it's just vibes on vibes. Well, this is it. And that's what, in, in, especially more so than ever, we do need, like you say, that, that community, we do need to feel like we're part of something and, and there are people around us and we can all support each other because mm. it's so easy to feel alone and not and not part of not to have anyone around you and feel you know mm. unsupported and and that's like you know and like you say it feels weird but once you do it you'll feel so much better you know mm. um, on, a, on a smaller level when you just say should we meet for coffee go and meet for coffee or go around someone's house and say, all right, yeah, I'll come around or come around to mine. That's, that's because that's what we missed in the lockdowns. Mm. The fact that we were so disconnected from everybody else and we're social creatures. Yeah. There we are. Lizzie, this has been amazing. We've I gone know. everywhere, all over the place. <laughs> I, I never know where this is going to go. And I'm, and I'm always pleased when it takes me to places I didn't expect. 
Yeah. So, so wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute been pleasure, a pleasure just to, you know, just to chat. It's been wonderful to finally get to have some decent time with you. Where can we find you on the socials? Oh, you know, you can find me on Twitter, Lizzie P, L-I-Z-Z-Y-P, if you like. I can't promise much. There's a lot of tweeting about podcasts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if that's your thing, come and have a look. Lovely. And is there any <laughs> advice you'd give to anyone who wants to start a podcast? Yeah, just do it. Just yeah. do it. Um, start before you're ready. I know that's such a cliche. Uh, yeah. It's it's really not that hard. And if you, I think the fear stops people. You know, oh, I won't be interesting, or people won't find what I've got to say interesting. But I go back to what I said earlier. Even if one person listens and gets something from that, then job done. So just crack on. Don't overthink it. Excellent, excellent and advice. Come to acast.com for Absolutely. free hosting. <laughs> yeah, love acast. <laughs> Thank you, Lizzie, so Thank much. Thank you. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.